Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Friday, August 29th, 2014. Okay, today's episode, unlike yesterday's episode, is themeless. We are going to be all over the map today. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is a program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. And sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and it's... it's well, it's like the Ebola virus of uh, hermeneutics. It, 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 there's just so much bad uh, twisting of Scripture out there. It's like a plague on the church. It's like a cancer on the church, and it's causing all kinds of crazy things to happen. And uh, unfortunately, so many people who are Christians today are utterly biblically illiterate, and they do not understand what sound biblical hermeneutics is. They do not know how to rightly handle God's word. They do not know what sound doctrine is. And as a result of it, I mean, they fall for just about anything. So uh, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. And like I said, no theme today. Today's, um, it, it's, it's you know, kind of one of those oatmeal against the wall episodes. We're just going to throw everything out there and see what sticks. Okay, so we're going to start off with... Um, a uh, a story from World Net Daily about the leader of ISIS. Yeah, the uh, that Islamic state thing. You know, the, those evil, wicked people who are killing Christians out there in Iraq. The leader of ISIS has been challenged to a biblical Elijah showdown. No joke. And uh, we'll we'll take a listen to this thing. And the, the guy making the challenge, I just. Hi, yay, yay, yay. Um, he is. Um, his name is uh, Bill. Uh, Bill Keller. And in this video that he put out, I mean, he basically gave you know, a pretty decent, clear call for repentance and faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins. We won't actually listen to that part. But then, um, yeah, uh, then he issues a challenge to Abu Bakr al Bakadi. Baghdad, yeah, I can't even pronounce the guy's name. You know what? I, the, the the leader of ISIS, <laughs> and yeah, the the challenge is one of those things where you you know you, you want to smash your head against something because it's like really, really. And World Net Daily covered the story. Really, 
So we'll then switch gears. We have a, a, a Joel Osteen update and kind of in the same vein as to uh, what's going on with the ISIS challenge. There's a, kind of a sub story that uh, just r- hit the Christian Post and uh, y- y- about uh, some guy who uh, went into the bookstore at Lakewood and uh, was overturning bookshelves and things like that and, and uh, you know, crying out that you've turned my father's house and, you know, my father's house is a you know house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves kind of thing. Yeah, believe it or not, the, uh, the same problem with the ISIS challenge is the same problem with what this guy did, which this is no way to handle, uh, you know, Joe Osteen's issues. And then we'll listen to that uh, viral video, the, the video that's gone viral uh, from Victoria Osteen and the comments that she made. And we'll just take a quick look at what the major flaw is in this particular theology. Um, we'll take a break. When we come back from the break, we have an Ed Young update, Ed Young droning on about drones. Yeah, um, yeah, that's his current sermon series, and it's like uber creepy. And so we'll listen to that. And then we have another Mars Hill update. Now, I remember last week I parsed out the things that were said during, what was it, this week? This week, it was Monday. Monday, I parsed out the uh, things that Driscoll said on Sunday in that uh, video recording, you know, where he kind of sort of-ish apologized. And then I noted the fact that things he said made it very clear that he was still in control. Well, it's it's absolutely clear that Driscoll is still in control because there is another dead body under the bus. Yeah, nine of the pastors uh, of Mars Hill, they have banded together. And um, although the church's bylaws don't give them authority to discipline Driscoll or to do what they're doing, after they had a talk with uh, Paul Tripp, they decided that they were going to exercise their biblical authority as elders in the church to call for Driscoll to step down. And one of them uh, was fired, yeah, fired for doing so. And so we'll take a look at the media coverage regarding that and uh, and you know maybe even note the document that these nine pastors have put together. It's a fascinating document. Um, and I you know, I applaud their their biblical stand. Um, you know, but the question is, what's what's going to be the fate of the other eight? Yeah, because uh, uh, the one thing that doesn't happen at uh, at uh, Mars Hill is a tolerance of those who would stand up to Driscoll and uh, and hold them accountable biblically. So we got that. And then in hour number two, we're going to head across the pond and listen to a pastor, Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley, sermon entitled The Inevitability of the Creed. The Inevitability of the Creed. And Pastor Charmley does a splendid job in this uh, sermon on 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, talking about uh, you know how creeds came about. And you're thinking, creeds? Is, are those biblical? Yes. That's the funny thing. The answer is yes, they're actually kind of important. And so uh, to kind of if you've never understood the importance of like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, or the Athanasian Creed, well, Pastor Charmley is going to uh, explain all that to you as to why not only are they important, but they're inevitable. In fact, anyone who says, I believe, and then dot, 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 fill in the blank, you know, after that, um, they're, they're giving you a creed. They're giving you a summary of what they believe the Bible teaches. That's a creed. And so he's going to be talking about the uh, the Apostles' Creed. So that's how we're going to uh, spend our day today. I uh, strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. Fuzzy bunny slippers, by the way, do enhance your listener experience. And since everybody's all about experiences nowadays, I mean, 
You want the ultimate fighting for the faith experience? Fuzzy Bunny Slippers is the way to get there. All right, so let's uh, jump right into it. And uh, boy, from World Net Daily, the uh, headline reads: ISIS chief challenged to biblical Elijah showdown. is the closest brick wall that I can beat my head against it. Anyway, this is written by Joe Kavax of World Net Daily, and it's uh, Dateline St. Petersburg, Florida, is one of the most, uh, let's see, St. Petersburg, Florida, is one of the most famous showdowns in Bible history about to be reenacted? The answer to the question, by the way, Joe, is no. An American Christian pastor is taking on the head of the Islamic State terror group known as ISIS, urging him to convert from Islam to Christianity or take part in a modern-day Whose God Will Answer by Fire showdown reminiscent of the ancient prophet Elijah's challenge to the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel in the Old Testament. Quote, It's time someone is calling these evil tools of Satan out instead of cowering in the tent as the army of Israel did when taunted by Goliath, said Reverend Bill Keller, founder of LivePrayer.com, and he told this to WorldNet Daily. Now, what we're going to be doing... It to kind of uh, help you understand what it is that we're talking about. We're actually going to listen. Yeah, that's right. Listen to uh, Reverend Keller issue his um <laughs> his well um challenge to the leader of ISIS, and we're going to unpack what's wrong with this and why this is not something that any Christian pastor or Christian should be doing. Yeah, this is. Actually, foolishness and a lot of, well, it's, you know, it's presumptuous. It's absolutely presumptuous. And the major problem here, and the major problem is you're taking a descriptive text. The story of Elijah on Mount Carmel is a historical account. It's a descriptive text. But there is no prescription in the story of the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and Elijah that says that if you run into you know, a false leader that you're supposed to reenact this miracle. It's a one-time-in-history kind of thing. And unless you actually have a bona fide, for real word of the Lord, should you try to reenact this event, well, it, let's just say it'll more than likely, yeah, like 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
cut that animal into pieces, put those pieces on wood, but not set fire to the wood. Once prepared, you will have one hour's time to call on Allah to rain down fire on your offering. If at the end of that hour Allah has still not answered your pleas, I will call upon the one true God of the Bible, Jehovah Jireh, not to just bring down fire on my offering, but yours as well. Mr. al-Baghdali, if your God Allah does not answer you and answers my pleas, if my God answers my pleas, you will resign as the leader of ISIS. You will retire from your life of terror. You will encourage your followers to live in peace, and I will be free to return to the United States. If your God Allah answers your pleas by fire, my God does not, I will renounce the Christian faith, and you're free to kill me or do whatever you like. Mr. al-Baghdali, I'm not crazy, nor am I afraid of you or death, since you can only kill a man once. I have perfect peace when God and God alone says, my work in this life is over. I will be forever with him in heaven for all eternity. I'll be praying for your salvation, however, if you refuse to denounce the lies of Islam and become a Christian. Man. So, yeah, liveprayer.com, Reverend Bill Keller, and that's his... uh, Challenge that he's issued to the leader of ISIS. Yeah, it's the Elijah showdown. Yeah, and nowhere in Scripture are we promised that God's going to perform that miracle again. So, I mean, oh, man. I, zeal without knowledge, uh, is that the right way of saying this? Yeah, it's something along those lines, and it's just a mess. Moving along, talking about messes. When I'm feeling lonely, sad as I can be, all by myself in an uncharted island in an endless sea. What makes me happy fills me up with glee. Those bones in my jaw that don't have a flaw, my shiny teeth in me. My shiny teeth that twinkle just like the stars in All right, yeah, it's time for a Joel Osteen update. It's been a few weeks since we've done that. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to start off with a story that's, well, kind of in the same vein as the uh, story that we heard about the uh, challenge to the leader of ISIS. This is an example of, well... How how do we put this politely of taking uh, a descriptive text and turning it into a prescription from the Christian Post? The headline reads man arrested for throwing books while referencing scripture in Lakewood Church store. Yeah, Christians are not called to be doing this, even if the person who owns the bookstore is a heretic like Joel Osteen. So uh, here's what the story reads. Um, This is by Vincent Funaro of the Christian Post. A man was taken into custody for tossing books and knocking displays down, all while referencing a particular scripture in Lakewood Church's bookstore yesterday. Michael David Fletcher was arrested Thursday for causing the disturbance. Quote, the guy shows up and starts throwing books around and kicking stuff over, said Lakewood spokesperson Donna Iloff to the Houston Chronicle. Quote, fortunately, we have police on the premises almost all the time, and he was quickly subdued. 
The incident occurred 20 minutes after the store opened at 9 a.m. yesterday morning. Lakewood also told the publication that no customers were harmed doing, during the melee. Uh, Houston police arrived on the scene at approximately 9.15. The department issued a brief statement regarding the matter. A male suspect uh, began shouting and knocking things over, said the Houston Police Department spokesperson Jody Silva to the Chronicle. Lakewood has off-duty officers who provide security, and they got him under control. Houston police arrived and took him into custody. Police also said that he shouted out the scripture, Matthew twenty-one twelve, as he threw books and turned over displays. Quote, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling. Reads Matthew twenty-one twelve. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Fletcher engaged in a brief scuffle with police where he struggled with an off-duty Harris County Sheriff's deputy. According to click2houston.com, the officer was eventually able to handcuff his hands and feet. Fletcher will face a charge of criminal mischief, according to Silva. So, uh, yeah, you'll notice that the uh, there's a similarity here, and that is, is that uh, the guy, the ISIS guy and the... Um, and this Fletcher guy who went into uh, Osteen's bookstore, yeah, they were taking descriptive text and thinking that they're prescriptive. This is no way to do things. And, uh, and yeah, and I agree that Joel Osteen is a heretic and, you know, a guy who's fleecing the sheep. But uh, that doesn't mean that you engage in criminal mischief or things of this nature in order to correct the problem. Yeah, you have to stay within the bounds of the law in order to do that. You get what I'm saying here? Okay, so now there's a viral video that has been going on like crazy on uh, on Facebook of, jo- of Victoria Osteen who recently saying something on television that was, well, pretty bad theology. I'm going to play the clip without interrupting it so you can hear it in its entirety and just kind of ask the question as to, What's kind of the nub of problem with this theology? But uh, here's Victoria Osteen. I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy this morning. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship Him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, there's a major problem going on here. And this kind of gets to, you know, one of the major issues as far as bad theology when it comes to, uh, you know, why do Christians do good works? And this is what we would call the uh, confusion of Coram Deo versus Coram Mundo. Um, yeah, Coram Deo means before God. Coram Mundo means before the world. Now, here's the deal. When it comes to our salvation, our right standing before God is received passively by faith and all on account of what Christ has done for us. Okay? So our right standing before God, nothing, none of our good works come into play whatsoever in our right standing before God. Our right standing before God has been established by the finished work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, straight up. So we are saved by grace through faith as a gift. That's right. So there's nothing that you can do then 
to you know earn part of your salvation before God. You know, so your 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 right standing before God, quorum Deo, is completely accomplished by Christ. Which then kind of begs the question: Well, why do we as Christians do good works? The answer is because, well, since we've been regenerated, faith is a very living and active thing. And uh, when we're alive in Christ, we can't help but want to do good works. And what is a good work? Loving and serving your neighbor. So the idea is there's this kind of a broad sweeping idea is that our good works are for our neighbor. They're not for our salvation. No, not at all, because Christ has established that for us. And they're, uh, they're not for God. But God wills them to be done, yeah, because God doesn't need anything. This is one of the reasons why, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about here is that God doesn't need your good works. Your neighbor needs them. And if your theology uh, has any, well, wrong ideas regarding this, then what ends up happening is, is that the reason why you do your good works then is not for your neighbor you end up doing your good works for yourself. So what happens is is that your neighbor becomes a means to an end. If you believe that your right standing before God is, you know, in full or even in part is established by your good deeds, well then you're going to go out there and I got to go find a neighbor quick. I got to do a good work so that I can add a lane onto my Olympic sized swimming pool when I get to heaven. Yeah, when you do something when that's your theology, it your good works are not done really for your neighbor. Your good works are done for you, which is then it makes it not a good work. It just makes it something completely evil and selfish. Here again, uh, you know, Victoria Osteen, is she, uh, we do this all for ourselves. Listen again. I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves. Yeah, um, no, we're doing it for our neighbor. <laughs> Love God, love neighbor. We're doing it for our neighbor. Because God takes pleasure when we're happy. Right. So apparently all God wants to do is be happy. That's, I mean, the, you know, <laughs> Jill Osteen's God and Victoria Osteen's God is kind of like a senile old grandpa who likes handing out, you know, butterscotch from his pocket, you know, to really poorly behaved, spoiled children. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy this morning. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Yeah, just do good for your own self. Talk about the narcissistic selfishness. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Breathtakingly awful and self-focused. Faux show. That's all I can say. That is just some wicked theology. Yeah, and see, the thing is, is that, you know, as crazy as it sounds coming from her, I mean, how many of us, I mean, me included, you know, in, you know, in times in our life have felt that, you know, our good works, well, they're going to earn us brownie points before God, in, you know, and so we do good works for our own benefit. Yeah, when you do it, when that's really your uh, motivation, is it really a good work anymore? Yeah, think about it. Okay, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we got an Ed Young update and another Driscoll update. Another one has been thrown under the bus. Yeah, this time for standing up to uh, Driscoll. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Hello, my name is Joel Osteen, and I want to tell you about my latest book. Every day is Friday. I really don't know why I wrote this one, though. I was trying to come up with some ideas, and it turns out I don't have any. So that's when I started thinking of things people really liked. I was thinking of all sorts of stuff, but none of the things I was thinking were really working. My first title was, Every Day is Marshmallow Covered Rainbows, but my mama told me it stunk. And then I had one of those ideas, because somebody on the TV said they like Friday. I mean, what's not to like about Friday? There's a party every night. If your boss isn't all strict and stuff, you can be casual at work. And they's always having that 25-cent wing night down at Bubba Wings on Tuesdays. Turns out there are some people who don't seem to like the whole every day is Friday thing and have made some not-so-nice remarks. They keep on saying things like, But Saturday is so much better. With every day being Friday, I don't ever get to sleep in or have a day off. Well, we here at Lakewood have a name for these kinds of people, and they are close-minded haters. Hey, that's my line! Uh, security, get this crazy person out of here. I'll show you who's crazy! for travel than you need to. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to tell you about Pirate Christian Radio's featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Cheapo Air is a leading provider of airline tickets, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Cheapo Air has extensive partnerships with the top travel brands in the world. Now, whether you need to travel for business or for pleasure, Cheapo Air can help you save money. And if you visit our website, piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, we have a promo code that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. So visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, then click on the banner and book your low-cost travel today. And remember, a portion of your purchase at Cheapo Air goes to support Pirate Christian Radio.
warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to become supremely dissatisfied with your church that teaches you that you do your good works for your own benefit rather than the benefit of your neighbor. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith 2 into the world, and you can partner with us. That's right, it's a partnership. Uh, by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $8.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. That's a great way to support us. And of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable too. Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support, because we cannot do what we're doing here without it. And a reminder, we're in the middle of our summer bake sale to help us uh, get through the summer slump, which we seem to always experience every, about this time every year. Um, the, we have the 2014 edition of the Pirate Christian Radio T-shirt that is available for you to purchase, and you can get it at uh, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on Bake Sale at the very top of the page, and you can see this year's uh, T-shirt and order one that fits you, and we'll send those right out. So uh, thank you for your support. For those of you who've also purchased T-shirts, you know, we again, that's truly helping us get through the summer slump. Okay, moving along, we've got a, a, a Ed Young update, and uh, since I'm going to throw him kind of into the general vision casting leader category, uh, that requires us to do this.
So there we go. That's uh, from Los Lobos Ministry Records from Word of Life Fellowship, Casting Vision. Man, I got to tell you, I, I kind of miss 70s and 80s music. <laughs> I do have my iPhone loaded up with it. Just so you know that you know, if you ever see me out in the uh, Pirate Christian Radio Mobile as I'm traveling around Grand Forks, there's a good chance you're going to see me rocking out to something, well, uh, you know, older than many of my listeners. So that's just uh, uh, little note there. Okay, so what we're going to be listening to, uh, <laughs> Ed Young has started a brand new sermon series entitled Drones, and I, this is one of those things where the, the, apparently the theme is based upon this idea of the omniscience of God. So, um, but, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think about drones, I kind of get like the uh, big brother uber creepy thing going on inside of my gut. And, you know, so comparing God to a U.S. military drone that's spying on me is not something <laughs> that I really, really um, am excited about. Like, not at all. And so we're going to listen to a little bit from his uh, sermon on uh, drones and... Uh, and him talking about why he came up with this idea and why he's preaching on it. So here's Ed Young. Here we go. Well, good morning this morning. How are you guys doing? Welcome to Fellowship Church. We're one church in many locations. You know, this past summer, I had an opportunity to film a reality fishing show. It'll debut on the channel Destination America in October. You can Google it. So Ed Young, vision casting leader, innovative church guy, and now reality TV personality star thingy. Silverkings.tv. I'm not the main star of the show. I am, however, one of the personalities. And for the first time in my life, while I was filming this show, I saw drones. In fact, the camera boat used drones extensively throughout this shoot. And the drones seemed to be behind me, above me, in front of me, capturing different images and recording everything we did on the water for two straight weeks. So, as Yeah, so there you go. Um, that's kind of where the, the, the genesis of this. See, it's not like, well, Ed Young, you know, was like reading his Bible and was, you know, maybe translating a biblical text, you know, from the Old or New Testament and 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 had this great exegetical insight and then thought, oh, you know what, the perfect metaphor to help us understand this text would be to, to compare it to drones. Nope. So what happened was he was uh, being filmed on a two-week fishing excursion uh, as by some camera crew for an upcoming reality TV show about fishing and the camera crew used drones and that was the genesis of the spark of the idea for him. Let's listen a little bit more. As I was out there sort of staring into the water and looking at drones, I came up with the series idea because drones are everywhere 
a lot of people think they're really powerful, and I guess they are, and they can gain a lot of information. Well, our great God is present everywhere. So God is just like a spy drone. Yeah, like I said, it's kind of one of these topics that is, I would say it's almost like a non-starter. It's its like, really? This is what you want to preach about? Drones and compare them to the omniscience and omnipresence of God? Yeah, I, you know, because I just don't think of the people, you know, with the joysticks controlling the drones as somehow being benevolent and merciful and kind and loving and things like that. You know, I, I see drones as kind of like, you know, a step towards, you know, uh, the ultimate one world, you know, totalitarian government. You know, that's <laughs> just how I think. But yeah, okay. So uh, now as part of this drone series here, um, a couple of awkward things here. Uh, Ed Young decided that he would employ the use of a drone inside of church. He's going to talk about that here in a second, as well as come up with kind of like his own top 10 list, like David Letterman, although it's not 10 items, it's 11. And listen to kind of the awkward, non-laughing thing. Yeah, this did not go over well at all, but here's uh, Ed Young to introduce the uh, the tithe drone that's going to be watching people in the uh, service while they're tithing, as well as then lead into his uh, 11 things about drones that everybody needs to know. Here we go. You'll notice we have a drone, and this drone flies back and forth over us today, and it'll especially be active during the offering time because it has the ability to see and to know if you're sort of allowing the offering plate to skip by or just to, you know, tip God or to really, really bring the tithe. Yeah, you might think that's a joke, but uh, again, these seeker-driven megachurches, they need huge piles of bazillions of dollars every year in order to continue to operate. Most expensive way to quote-unquote do church that you can possibly think of. Drones, they're everywhere. You know, I was thinking about drones, and sometimes people have some bad things to say about drones, and, and I understand that. Some people have a hard time with drones, and, and they, they think about privacy issues, they think about voyeurism, but I thought about what are some things, what are some dynamic things that drones could do? Would you like to know that? 11 Ed Young's, 11 dynamic things that drones can do straight from the World Wide Web. Okay, so we're getting everybody whipped up into a frenzy about 11 great things that drones can do, and yet no one really seems all that super excited about it. Number 11, they can help capture weddings. You want to do a cool wedding? <laughs> I mean, he's trying really hard to be entertaining and relevant, and it's just not really, really working here. That scared me. Use a drone. Number 10, sell real estate. You get a better view of the property you're selling, the property you're looking at. It might help you make that sale. Number nine, it enables the paparazzi. The paparazzi to go to a whole nother level because they can see things now they just dreamed of seeing. Number eight, it makes sports look cool. 
Did you check out Johnny Football last night? I'm telling you, man, what was Jerry Jones thinking? Anyway, watching that game, I don't want to really know what he was saying, but anyway, you know, Johnny Football, what if a drone could have flown around and seen this guy in action? I think uh, he's a pretty, pretty amazing guy. Number seven, fight crime. You want to fight crime? Use a drone. A lot of the people, a lot of the agencies that fight crime are using drone. Number six. <laughs> Can I use a drone to fight heresy? I, I'd like to my own heresy fighting drone, you know? Put out wildfires. I can tell you're excited about this. Number five, monitor wildlife. Yeah, no, people are not excited about this. Number four, I came up with these. Give me a break. Deliver pizza. Domino's. Domino's is already experimenting with this. You got to show me some love here. Number three. This is just so embarrassingly bad. Transport medicine. Okay. This is one of my favorites. Number two, entertain nerds. I'm just saying. And we all have a little uh, nerd-esque quality within us. Uh, some more than others, but... A lot of times, those who like collect drones and fly them all the time, they're a little nerdy. That's okay. Nerds are cool. But number one, here we go. The most important thing, the most dynamic thing that drones can do, they can help me preach sermons. Powerful. 11 dynamic things that drones can do. No, it wasn't powerful at all. It was awkward and weird and kind of creepy. So uh, there you go. Vision casting innovative uh, leader, Ed Young, you know, touting the uh, the amazing dynamic things that drones can do. And <laughs> again, I just kind of sit there and go, yeah, that, that's that's kind of weird because yeah, the people I hang with, you know, when we start talking about drones, it, it generally doesn't. You know, people aren't sitting there going, "Oh, they're the most amazing things ever." There's kind of the, "Ooh, that's kind of creepy" factor. That, yeah, if you get what I'm saying. All right, moving along. Time for another Mark Driscoll update. There's another one who's been thrown under the bus. And this happening while Mark is being sorry and taking a six-week hiatus, you know. Going to church right down the street, don't hear God's word no more. The pastor says we don't feed no sheep, so get busy and amuse those goats. Don't be lazy, you hit to satisfy the leader's God-given vision supreme. If you dare to question him, well, there'd certainly be a scene. Look out. Another one's off the bus. Another one's off the bus. And another one's off. And another one's off. Another one's off the bus. Hey, he's gonna get you too. Another one's off the bus. One by one, people disappeared. Never to be seen again. This whole darn thing was a joke, but I changed my mind when I saw the pastor jump on the bus, tear out screeching down the street. People were getting squashed like bugs and piled up like dead meat. Look out. Another one's off the bus. 
Another one's off the bus. And another one's off. And another one's off. Another one's off the bus. Hey, they don't care about you. Another one's off the bus. I am all about blessed subtraction. There, there is a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus. <laughs> and by God's grace, it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. Um, you either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. There's a few kind of people. There's people who get in the way of the bus. they got to get run over. There are people who want to take turns driving the bus. they got to get thrown off because <laughs> they want to go somewhere else. There, there is a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus. <laughs> and by God's grace, it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. Um, you either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. Another one has been thrown under the bus there at uh, Mars Hill. We're going to give a little bit of the details. Now, if you're not up to speed on the nine present um, pastors at Mars Hill who kind of banded together and uh, put a, a united front, they actually put a document out, and Warren Throckmorton on his blog has made that document available. And having read it, yeah, wow. Um, that's let's just say that was some brave work on their part. And the name of the document is "Concerns and Critical Information for the Elders of Mars Hill Church." And in this document, uh, these nine elders, uh, current pastors, Pastor Dus, uh, Dustin uh, Kensrue, uh, Pastor Drew Hensley, Pastor Mark Dunford, Pastor Ryan Kearns. Uh, Pastor Ryan Welsh, Pastor Adam Ramsey, Pastor Cliff Ellis, Pastor Gary Shavey, and Pastor James Rose. All of them at the time that this document were produced uh, were active pastors at Mars Hill. Uh, Pastor Mark Dunsford yesterday uh, was fired. He was let go, and I'll let the media explain to you what's going on. But they put this uh, brilliant document together, and in it they, uh, they basically have said, listen, you know, it doesn't matter that the you know, Mars Hill Church's um, you know policies and bylaws don't give us the authority to do what we're doing. God's word does. We're acting as biblical elders, and they are calling for Driscoll to step down. They have said they, they in this document they talk about the uh, the culture of spin and deception that's going on there. They talk about their conversations with um, with uh, Paul Tripp. And some of the quotes from Paul Tripp, Dr. Paul Tripp in here, are, wow, uh, absolutely amazing. I think one of them is is that uh, this is without the doubt the most abusive course of ministry culture I've ever been involved with. That is a direct quote from Paul Tripp, and he gave them permission to say that. 
Well, um, you know, remember Driscoll's, oh, you know, apology, which when you parse it, it was clear that he wasn't exactly very being very specific about what he was apologizing for. And then the words that he used made it clear that he was actually still in control. Because remember, he's decided to take six weeks off and the elders of the church agreed to this arrangement. Well, turns out that the uh, one of the nine was uh, was fired. And so we're going to give you uh, the audio from two of the local news store, uh, news people, uh, news uh, channels that have covered this up in Seattle. Uh, the first is King Five News, and the second is uh, Como. And uh, yeah, this is this is some scary stuff. L- here, listen in. In other news, there are big developments this afternoon regarding Mars Hill Church. Sources say eight of nine pastors who wrote a highly critical letter demanding founder Mark Driscoll step down are now meeting with church leadership at this hour. Allison Morrow joins us live in Bellevue with a look at what's going on. And sources have told us this afternoon that only eight of the nine pastors who wrote this letter are in that meeting because the ninth was terminated last night for, quote, rebellious behavior against the church. And this rebellious behavior against the church. Read the document. These men go out of their way to say that they're not being rebellious, but they're motivated by love towards Driscoll and for Mars Hill and for the truth. Rebellious behavior. I mean, serious just days after they delivered this letter to church leadership. Take a look at this quote from it. This is from a counselor that they asked, they brought in to the situation to help, saying, this is without a doubt the most abusive, coercive ministry culture I have ever been involved with. Yeah, that's a direct quote from Dr. Paul Tripp. Now, Mark Driscoll, as many people know, has been embroiled in controversy over the last few months. He was even kicked out of the Acts 29 network that he co-founded. And the difference with this latest letter, the accusations are now coming from currently employed pastors who are calling for the first time for Mark Driscoll to quit his job. We want what's best. Now, this is uh, Leif Moy, co-founder of Mars Hill. Uh, For the church. Uh, We want what's best for um, you all. We want what's best for Mark. And I encourage you not to lose faith, not to lose heart. Now, this letter ends with a quote from one of Mark Driscoll's own sermons, they say, in 2006, where he says, If I should ever say or do anything that the elders would need to fire me, do not be loyal to me. And the letter in that sermon continues to say that the church members should be loyal to Jesus and to the elders. The elders that are connected to my sources have told them that they believe this is an act of love. They believe this is what's best for Mark Driscoll and for Mars Hill. We're live in Bellevue tonight. I'm Allison Morrow, King 5 News. All right. So that's King 5 News' coverage of it. By the way, this is a document from these uh, nine current pastors. I'll put a link to it up uh, with today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Go to fightingforthefaith.com and look for the Friday, August 29th, 2014 episode, and you can download the PDF and take a look at it yourself. It is, again, an impassioned biblical plea on the part of these elders, and i got to tell you, they are brave because they're basically saying it doesn't matter that uh, that Mars Hill's uh, you know governance doesn't give them the authority to do this. God's word does as elders of the church. So I mean, brave beyond all reason. But so uh, Como News decided to try to actually reach out to uh, 
uh, to Driscoll to give him the opportunity to respond to this latest, uh, you know, part of the story that's breaking. And uh, it's absolutely fascinating and terrible, if you would, what happens. Here's Como News' coverage of the story. Fired for speaking out? Mars Hill Church takes action against a pastor who called for change, and we went straight to the top looking for answers. I was trying to reach Mark Driscoll. There's new fallout tonight within Mars Hill Church as its embattled leader, Mark Driscoll, fights for survival. We've learned that a pastor who asked for Driscoll to step down has been terminated. Coma 4's Russ Bowen joins us live. And Russ, you went right to Driscoll's house to get his side of the story, right? Yeah, Eric, that's right. We sure did. Now, former elders have called Driscoll's behavior abusive and intimidating. Now there are new calls for him to step down, but with apparent ramifications. Since the founder of Mars Hill Church, Mark Driscoll, has not made a public appearance since the controversy, we went to his million-dollar home. Yeah, that's right. Million-dollar home. And the guy... Hi, it's Russ Bowen with Como 4 News. I was trying to reach Mark Driscoll. Now, this this Como News guy, there's like an intercom. This, I mean, no joke, the gate... For, to the Driscoll complex, I mean, is intimidating. I mean, he's got a gate you can't get in unless you, 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 you press a button on an intercom and there's clearly a camera inside the intercom. Now listen to what happens here. Driscoll answers but then lies and acts like he's not, uh, he's not there or that this guy's got the wrong address. Listen, you can clearly hear Driscoll's voice. Sorry, wrong, wrong address, huh? Excuse me? The male voice on the other end said, sorry, wrong address. I yeah, sorry, wrong address. That was Driscoll saying that. Oh, no. So I try again. We leave for a few minutes and come back. We didn't hear the dog bark before. Now I hear it. Now the dog's coming to the gate. Hello, Mr. Driscoll. This is Russ Bowen with Como 4 News. We're just trying to give you the opportunity to be heard. Here comes the dog. We better go. Then someone called the police, but nothing came of that since we'd done nothing wrong. I think he's afraid. He doesn't know who he can trust. We wanted Driscoll to respond to the letter, recently signed by nine pastors. It says Driscoll should step down, that church leadership became masters of spin, and that transparency is a huge problem. The letter is appreciated by supporters of the church like Rob Smith, who've called for change. So I really applaud these guys. We subsequently heard that one of them got fired last night. Smith says one of the signers, a pastor from the Mars Hill Church in Portland, was the one let go. But it's Driscoll who should be shown the door. It's like the stubborn horse that won't go into the trailer and at some point he's going to have to just yield. Hello, Mr. Driscoll. But whether he's willing to do that, he's not willing to tell us today. And Driscoll told church members recently that he is going to take a six-week focus break, as he put it. But some members say that is just not enough time to repent. Reporting live, Russ Bowen, California News. Yeah, that's right, because it's not about repenting. If Driscoll were really about repenting, why did he hire a PR firm? Huh? Yeah. See, <laughs> that's not what he's about. So there you go. I mean, even after Driscoll, quote-unquote, apologized on Sunday and said that he was going to take a little bit of time off, and of course the elders, they agreed to this arrangement, nine of them acted on their biblical authority as elders. Uh-huh, that trumps the uh, the bylaws and policies of Mars Hill Church itself. And now one of them has found himself fired for rebellious behavior. And, uh, and news is that the other eight, you know, have uh, had to have 
their, shall we say, come to Jesus meeting. And I'm sure that didn't go so well, but I can't wait to hear how that plays out. So what's what's the issue here? Well, Driscoll needs to step down. He's not He's disqualified himself from being a pastor. And in fact, if you heard, you know, if you remember when the uh, Acts 29 news broke, that uh, that Acts 29, that they had dropped Mars Hill Church from their roster and, uh, you know, had given uh, Driscoll the boot, the uh, the spin from Mars Hill was, well, they never reached out to us. They never told us what was... Uh, yeah, these nine pastors, they blow that right out of the water. They tell the truth as to what really did happen and show that what was put out by Mars Hill was complete spin and not even close to the truth as to what was going on there. And uh, even Paul Tripp himself had many conversations with Matt Chandler regarding these problems. So... Um, yeah, Driscoll's clearly dug in, and uh, the, his apology on Sunday was clearly a PR move to buy him time. And in the meantime, you know, these, these nine pastors, like I said, they have found their voice, and they found their voice in the authority given to them by God's Word, and they're doing the right thing, and one of them is already canned. So, yeah, it's very, very sad what's happening at Mars Hill, and our prayers continue to go out to Mars Hill Church as well as to Mark Driscoll because the only way this man can actually get help is for him to repent, and that's going to require him to step down, which is exactly what he needs to be doing. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Click on the subscribe button or follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to end the week off with a Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley sermon on the inevitability of the creed. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Broadcasting our pirate signal into the matrix created by the evangelical industrial complex. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... listening to Byron Christian Radio. No, seriously. Starfleet wouldn't have lasted two minutes against the Death Star. Say what you want, dude. Why can't you admit that Star Trek created proton torpedoes first? So what are you saying? Without proton torpedoes, Luke Skywalker would never have been able to destroy the Death Star in the first place. Nuh-uh, bro. He had the Force. You mean metachlorians? That never happened. Those movies were just bad fanfics. Hey, have you two seen any Daleks around here? Uh, no. That's funny. We just picked up a distress signal and decided to check it out. Well, we haven't seen any... Come on, you two! Get in! Run! Never fear, nerds of the world. It doesn't matter whether you're into Star Wars, Star Trek, or Doctor Who. Think Geek has something for almost every fandom around. 
Celebrate your love of all things nerdy by going to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash geek. And by clicking on the ad banner, a portion of your purchase will go to supporting Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Fighting for the Faith. We're going to end the week off right. Oh, and by the way, I will be observing Labor Day next week, so next episode of Fighting for the Faith is on Tuesday of next week. And we'll be starting off with a new heresy hurricane season. It begins this weekend. <laughs> Can't wait to see the storms blowing through the church wreaking damage this year. Man, it's worse every year. But let's... Uh, change to something positive here. Let's do this right. Fighting for the Faith, we're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Bethel Evangelical Free Church, Hanley Stoke-on-Trent, Pastor Gervais, Nicholas Edward Charmley presiding. He will be preaching on 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'll let him read the text for us. The name of the sermon is The Inevitability of the Creed. Now, you think creeds aren't important? Oh, Pastor Charmley and myself would beg to differ. In fact, anytime somebody says, I believe, dot, 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 whatever the dot, dot, dot is, you know, because they said, I believe, they've just given you, well, a creed. And the question is, what is the creed that you're confessing? Is it, does it say what God's word says or does it say something else? Yeah, so go ahead and kill the music. And without any further ado, here's Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley and his sermon entitled, The Inevitability of the Creed. Here we go. Our scripture reading this evening is found in Paul's second epistle to Timothy and chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1. This is quite probably the last letter that Paul ever wrote. Certainly the last that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul is expecting any day to be executed and he is writing to encourage Timothy and the believers he will leave behind to carry on, carrying on, as it were. So, Second Timothy and chapter 1. Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, 
that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore I remind to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, Share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has, called, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, and has now been revealed by the appearing of our Saviour Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus that good thing which was committed to you, uh, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, and was not ashamed of my chain, but when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. I trust God to bless the reading of his holy word. Particularly this evening we direct our thoughts to that which is expressed in verses 12 through 14. I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us. As you go into the main sanctuary of the church, you find on your right the doctrinal basis of the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches, the FIEC, doctrinal statement. And it is in fact very soon after the time of the Apostles that we find Christians making doctrinal statements. In fact, of course, the Bible is full of doctrinal statements, that is to say, statements of the basics of Christian belief. But after the period of the Scriptures, we find a number expressed in early Christian writers Perhaps the best known of them, one which I hope to 
look at in the next few weeks is known as the Apostles' Creed. Not that the Apostles wrote it, but that it expresses the apostolic doctrine found in the Bible. It goes like this. One or two of the statements may sound a little bit strange. We shall address them later and see that while they may sound a bit odd, what they are saying is biblical and not necessarily what they appear to be saying to our ears when we hear them. So the Apostles' Creed, in the form normally used in England, goes like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Of course, that is the version found in the Book of Common Prayer. So, some of the language is rather archaic. The word quick means living, as anyone who has had much acquaintance with the King James or Authorised Version of the Bible will know. The word Catholic, referring to the Church, means universal and does not have reference to the Roman Church, which is, of course, a local Roman and not universal Catholic Church. The item that says he descended to hell is rendering a Greek word that simply means the abode of dead people's souls. In other words, it is stating that he genuinely died. The body is laid in the grave. The soul goes to the usual place for departed souls. But that is what's known as the Apostles' Creed. And we should be considering it because it is useful sometimes to look at the great points of Christian doctrine. The doctrine of God, of creation, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, his atonement, the person of the work of the Holy Spirit, the nature of the church, the nature of the last things. And so provides a useful summary of the absolute basics of Christianity. And you will note that this creedal form is Trinitarian. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The baptismal formula as found in Matthew 28.20 baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. And why do such creeds and statements exist? Well, very simply because the word creed it simply comes from a Latin, the Latin word at the beginning of the Latin version of the creed, which was originally probably a baptismal confession given in the church in Rome, where, of course, they spoke Latin. The first word is in Latin, credo, I believe. 
So in other words, whenever you ask a Christian, or anybody really, what do you believe about so-and-so, they will reply, I believe, and I'm giving a statement of belief. So if you ask a Christian simply, what do Christians believe, or what do you as a Christian believe, the reply is, I believe, and therefore is a creedal statement. Creeds are inevitable, quite simply because, inevitably, we will make a summary of what we believe. The response to the question, what the Christians believe, is a creed, a confession of faith, and everybody has one, whether right or wrong, good or bad. There is a, a group, the Churches of Christ, who have the statement, no creed but Christ, to which we have to point out, but actually that is a creed. Because whenever you go to a church, and even we say, we believe the Bible, and we do believe the Bible, but that of course is also a statement of what you believe. And the question is then asked quite legitimately, but what does the Bible teach? And you can either read the read out the whole Bible or give a summary. And the creed, a good creed, is a summary. It's inevitable. Eventually you will be asked for a summary. That's why the FIEC has a summary. That's why if you look at the trust deeds of evangelical churches you will find that most, if not all, will have a little statement saying this is what this church believes or the property of this church is held in trust for a church that teaches so-and-so. Back in the 17th century, when it's first legal for people who were not Church of England to have churches in this country, many of them had the very briefest statements in their trust deeds saying this chapel is held in trust for a congregation of simply Protestants not belonging to the Church of England. But the result of such a short statement was, of course, that if the congregation became Unitarian, as, for example, the Presbyterian Church in Newcastle did, that's what the, new, the current Unitarian meeting, Unitarian congregation is, the old Presbyterian meeting, when they became Unitarian, well, the funds that were collected by Trinitarians to support the teaching of Trinitarian orthodoxy could very simply be claimed by the Unitarians saying, but we are Protestants and we are not Anglicans. Creeds are inevitable because whenever you go to a church they have to be able to say, well, this is what this church believes. And they are helpful because a considered thought-out statement of the main points of Christian doctrine, Christian teaching, helps us to keep our balance. As I said, every Christian and every church has a creed, which is either going to be a written creed or an unwritten creed. And if you have a written creed, such as the FIEC basis, then it is going to be quite balanced. It's going to emphasise here are the main things. Here are the main things. It's going to keep off those peripheral matters. Whereas if you have 
an unwritten creed, the tendency will be to major on the minors, the peripheral issues, the issues like timetables of the second coming. You notice that the Apostles' Creed is very simple on the second coming. It simply says that Christ shall come to judge the living and the dead. It simply speaks of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. It doesn't talk about um, tribulations, millenniums, etc. It gives the main points, the, the fundamentals. And he emphasizes the main things, God, God's work, God's person, the Lord Jesus Christ, the revelation of God in Christ Jesus. And it helps people to know what they believe. If you can point to a document and say, well, this is a summary of what this church teaches, then it's much more helpful than having no document at all, and it's all being dependent upon the particular whims or hobby horses of the pastor and those in teaching positions. And it means that the unity of the church is not simply a shared experience. It has been said that those societies that are based upon purely subjective experience tend to be the most exclusive because experience is just that, it's subjective. It, my experience is not exactly the same as yours. But rather, it's based on a, there is a shared confession. Now then, there must be in the church shared experience. But there must be more than that. There must be a shared confession, a shared understanding, knowledge of who God is. Now, the Christian creed must be biblical. The church has no authority to impose upon anybody terms and conditions that are not biblical. This is where the Roman church, the Church of Rome, has gone horribly astray in imposing as dogma such ideas as transubstantiation, definition of what happens to the elements of the Lord's Supper, the idea of the assumption of Mary, that is that Mary's body at her death was taken up into heaven, the immaculate conception of Mary, and one might go on, all of these various ideas that have no foundation at all in the Bible. But you notice with the Apostles' Creed, everything there has a foundation in the Bible. It's a summary of what the Bible teaches, not a summary of what the Church teaches without reference to the Bible. Because the Bible is the source of the Christian faith, because here God speaks. So we find in 2 Timothy chapter 3, reading from... Verse 15, from childhood, Paul says, You, that is, Timothy, have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation and through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God 
that as its source it comes from God, it is literally breathed out by God, it is spoken by God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's what it does, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There is nothing else that the man of God needs to be equipped for every good work. That is, it's not the Bible and, it is the Bible and only the Bible. Because the Bible is the word of God. God, the writer of the Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter 1, reading from verse 1, who at various times in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. God reveals himself in the Lord Jesus. The scriptures bear witness of Christ. If we look at the Bible apart from Christ, we miss what the Bible is actually saying. Again, the Apostle Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, no prophecy of scripture is all that is comes from, that's all in terms of origin, it's not talking about what the passage is sometimes thought to refer to, no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, that is, is not the result of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And the language there being moved is very emphatic language. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The words which they spoke are words the Holy Spirit speaks. God speaks. We respond and there is no place for human speculation. There is no place for man to come up with doctrine, dogma, teaching on his own. So... The Apostle John writes, 2nd John and verse 9, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. There are those who do not who are not satisfied with what God has spoken in Christ Jesus, who seek to go and find something else. But there is nothing else that is true. There is nothing else that is doctrine, that is binding Christians. Only what God has spoken again. Jude in his epistle, Jude and verse 3, he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, so Jude wanted to write a letter to Christians speaking about the common salvation that we share, the salvation of Christ Jesus. 
But he says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. That is, once for all time. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who wouldn't hold to that once for all delivered faith, but who wanted to go and have something else, something more. But there is nothing more. The Christian faith has been once for all delivered. We do not await any further revelation. So if anybody comes offering further revelation, that person is marked out as a liar, whether they are the Mormons with their various books, the Jehovah's Witnesses, or anybody else. God has delivered the whole Bible, and we wait for nothing more. The Bible, the whole Bible, and only the Bible, is the source of our Christian faith. And it's important to emphasize the whole Bible. It's been said that every heretic has his text. You can tear something out of context. But the Church of God has the whole Bible. The heretic has his text. The church has the whole Bible. One of the earliest heretics, a man called Martian, who excluded the whole Old Testament from his Bible. And also most of the New Testament. He simply had an altered version of the Gospel according to Luke and Paul's letters. He had his bits of the Bible he liked, but he threw out the rest. But the church keeps the whole thing. The whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible, is the source of the Christian faith. And we find in the Bible various statements of faith, confessions, little creeds if you like. The earliest of those is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Shema is called from Hear, O Israel. Shema Yisrael in the Hebrew. Here, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. That is the first confession, the confession that was given to Israel, that all Israel repeated. We find then in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 16 and verse 16, there's that great confession of Peter. <coughs> Jesus asked, disciples, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That is a statement of faith. I believe you are the 
Christ, the Son of the living God, he said to the Lord Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, there is a very interesting statement indeed. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. For us there is one God the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. And there is an echo there of Deuteronomy 6.4. An echo. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one God and one Lord. And there you have implied, therefore, the unity of the Father and the Son. 1 Corinthians 12.3, we have the very simplest early Christian confession. I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, Paul says, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. That was the early Christian confession. And anything else that has been said since is simply emphasising what that means to say Jesus is the Lord. And then in 1 Timothy 3.16 we have another famous statement that seems to be almost hymn-like in its Structure, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Again, a statement of belief of what the church believed about the Lord Jesus, the truth of who he is and what he has done. And so even in the scriptures we find it is absolutely necessary for Christians to state what they believe. We are to give an answer to everyone who asks us a reason of the hope that is in us. We must also be able to state what that hope that is in us actually is. I believe. And you notice it is not simply I believe a statement of facts. We read that portion from Second Timothy chapter 1 and Paul says I know whom I have believed. Not just what I have believed but whom I have believed because Christian faith is not simply an intellectual exercise. It is about trusting a person. It is supremely personal. That is why the structure of the creed is Trinitarian. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Whom? And not just what. The devils, the demons have their what's that they believe that they know 
But they do not trust. They cannot say, I know whom I have believed. Only the Christian can say, I know whom I have believed. And so over these next few weeks, we shall go through this statement of the Christian faith, remembering that this is not something that is apart from the Bible, but it's something that's derived from the Bible and is a framework through which we look at what the Bible says about these things. Creeds are inevitable. And a biblical creed is a good thing. Providing balance, a framework, a solid basis for unity. So we may study what we believe and most of all, rise to whom we have believed, knowing he is able to keep what we have committed to him against that day. Amen. Amen. So what would you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Until next week, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>